it's one thing to go to Clarny for the first time. Okay, you're still in Ireland. Okay, you're in Kerry. Some people might say it's a different country, but okay, you're, you're still in Ireland, right? <laughs> but in, 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 in the bigger scheme of things, right? If you want to go to, let's just say... I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. Hello and you're very welcome to episode 126 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren, I'm your host this evening and I'm joined this evening by a very good friend of mine. Somebody who, you know, I kind of grew up with, with my photography over the last number of years and became quite a very good friend of mine as well. I'm delighted to have him on the podcast. So, Rodney O'Callaghan, welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. How are you getting on, buddy? Hi, Darren. Uh, getting on great, thanks. And uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, looking forward to it. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. How are things going with you at the moment, boy? I see that you were uh, you're getting a couple of local shots in Donnerail and such like that. Yeah, um, enjoying it, you know. Um, not getting out as much as I can. Photography uh, has been great for the mind over the last um, number of lockdowns. We can't say lockdown, no, yes. because it's a few lockdowns. So I think lucky, very. I feel very lucky to have the photography as a resource, you know. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose, you know, it's good for me to catch up with you, I suppose, and I can I know you for many years. I kind of alluded to it there at the beginning that yeah. I kind of grew up in my photography with you because uh, I started, I got to know you, I suppose, really after I really decided that I wanted to get better at photography. And coincidentally, I met you then as well, I suppose, through Monster Landscape Photographers. And I mean, we've gone out on a, a number of shoots together over the years, I suppose, and it's been a great eye-opener for me in what I've learned from you, and I suppose even from the, the crack that we'd have and yeah. the locations we'd go to, it's been a kind of a, a fun journey, you know? So it's like, how many years do I know you, so? Five, six years, maybe. Yeah, five or six years, yeah. I think, I think it was when I set up MLP. Yeah, and I actually think, and... uh, I was only thinking the first time I met you was John Delaney with you. God rest him. Yeah. He was. Yeah. God rest him, he was. Yeah, yeah he book, was. Yeah. When we were on our on our moon chase down in Fort Castle. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, 2014 or something like that. I think 2013, I set up MLP, okay. and I think you were one of the founding members of it as well at that point. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, we've had we've had many many a journey, I suppose, together over the years yeah. and some, like I say, some great locations. And I suppose you know, for our listeners, Rodney, if they don't know who you are, I suppose tell them who is Rodney O'Callaghan. I'm, uh, I suppose, primarily I'm a landscape, um, seascape photographer. Um, I'm drawn to okay. the to the that's that's my the genre I, I've been drawn to. Um, and that was kind of formulated, I suppose, by my early years in photography, joining Mallow Camera Club, you know, where um, mm -hmm. I would have been, I suppose, the likes of John Houghton. John would have been a great, um, John was very hugely inspiring, you know, and he inspired us all to go um, to travel to Kerry, really, you know. And, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, he really opened our eyes to, to what was around in the landscape in, in both, say, the Dingle Peninsula, which is my favourite place to shoot, and also um, Killarney, you know. And they're mm -hmm. probably my two favourite places to, to shoot today. I've been photographing about 14 years. My young lad is, uh, he's 14, to be exact. And okay. um, Kieran is 14. Uh, I have a daughter, 17. Uh, I bought my first camera really just to document the you know the children growing up. 
Um, okay, I, interesting. Yeah, so I bought a bridge camera, uh, a Panasonic Lumix, I think, six mega, six million megapixels. Wow, six million, man, that was big. That was six hundred quid to to boot. <laughs> so wow. everything was met. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just went from there. You know, I found uh, the creativity that was, um, I suppose. That that it allowed me, you know, because it had uh, mm-hmm. it had aperture, it had shutter speed, it had program mode, and um, I suppose I hadn't a clue, Darren. You know, um, I didn't have a. I, I was I look, I'm I'm forty eight, fourteen years ago. I was thirty four, so I had mm-hmm. never, never gone near a PC. So so um, mm-hmm. the biggest thing I had, I suppose, that was electrical was the remote control for the television. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And probably the mobile phone, but uh, yeah, as a fella, like I, I don't know where the where the smartphones even out then. Uh, uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think yeah. so. They might have been just been coming out, I suppose, at the time. Yeah, yeah but they wouldn't even have been out then. They'd be the Nokia's. Yeah, as a friend of mine, Nokia as a friend of mine says, he says, I don't have a smartphone. I have a stupid phone. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they weren't. I don't think they were out then. But um, yeah, so I started with that. I had done that for about six months. Kieran was born in May. Kieran was born in May. So the following uh, Christmas, I went off the Cork, of course, and uh, into O'Leary's in Camera World and came out with, oh, yeah. came out with my, um, met John Horgan in there and came out with my first DSLR, which was a Nikon D70S. Mm-hmm. That was the kind of, that was the start of, I suppose, I suppose the, the bug had already been planted earlier on, but that was kind of mm-hmm. the, you know, I felt like I had a real camera, you know. <laughs> for sure i suppose like you know when you think of it that way and you have the better camera now and you say mm. about the creativity like was it landscape photography you started to kind of really get the bug on or was it different other genres of photography like have you been drawn to to that or have you tried other different genres i suppose initially it was the camera i was photographing everything and anything anything that moved at all was was being snapped up you know Shot, yeah. and um, yeah. then when i went into mallow camera club um, I was introduced, you know, to the different genres. Like there were, there were. You had street photography, you had landscape, you had portraiture. Um, all of a sudden, I was seeing different things, you know. And um, mm-hmm. it was the landscape that kind of captivated me most, you know. And um, mm-hmm. so, I was lucky enough, I suppose, to meet um, <clears throat> the first night I went in. I met two good, two of my very good friends now, Dennis O'Leary and, and John Flynn. Probably met John, I'd say. Have you? I think I have, yeah. yeah. I think I have, yeah. yeah. He's the only photographer I know to this date that has never taken uh, a straight photograph in his life. They're all crooked. But he, fix, <laughs> but he fixes them after. <laughs> he, he, we'd be out and he'd be showing me a photograph. And I said, John, it's lovely, but it's crooked. I'll fix it after, you know. So, uh, fix it later. Yeah, yeah. i fix it later. So, yeah, you, and I, I, so I'd you, have been you, too precise in on the other spectrum. So we're, we're kind of two spectrums, you know. But, um, yeah. Um, and when and when you were in the club, then I suppose, and you met the two guys there, you know, and you've been exposed to the different areas and such. Like, was it a case that you went, yeah, I want to know how to do that, or were you shown how to do that, or was it something that you kind of went, how did I do that, and then you went off and tried to figure out all the controls and everything, <laughs> then on the camera for yourself? I suppose um, I was. We were exposed to whatever was going on in the club, but um, you know, clubs are actually a very busy place. And um, mm-hmm. the only time you're going to find anything out is at the end when people are sitting around, you know, people are having a, cha- a, a chat after, you know, and that's that's kind of um, that's kind of the best time for anyone. If you're going to a club, you know, hook up with your man over there. He's a landscape photographer. Go over there and ask him a few questions, you know, 
And um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, I suppose myself and the two lads decided we'd start going out together, and um, that's kind of where it kind of started. You know, the the ventures down to Killarney, uh, down to the Dingle Peninsula, and um, we kind you know we learned off each other really, and. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose John used to always say to me, like, you know, like if I have something, um, I want to know how to get the best out of it. So I would do, I would read up on it. I would do the research. Mm-hmm. Whereas John wouldn't. Mm-hmm. John would be pressing buttons and whatever comes out came out at the time, oh, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So yeah. as a result, I was kind of the technical person and the boys were taking photographs and if something was wrong, they were over to me. <laughs> so, uh, um, so that's kind of how I suppose I got into you know, I work with people today. That's kind of how it all started for me. I was kind of the person that people came to for a bit of guidance mm-hmm. and a bit of help. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously I knew too much. <laughs> well, you know what? You can know a lot. Yeah. If you know what, if you exactly. know what's right. Exactly. Yeah. It depends. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. yeah. And I mean, and if you think about it in the, in the different kind of clubs and like you mentioned there, you know, been involved in different camera clubs and societies over the years. How has that then you think shaped your photography for? where it is today um i suppose camera clubs they're great but there is a downside to um let's say comp- competitiveness you know mm-hmm. and when you introduce mm-hmm. competitiveness uh in any in any club um mm-hmm. you tend to have problems <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. um fantastic place to go and learn fantastic to meet other people but i suppose i kind of for me um, I was a person that preferred to be out rather than a mm-hmm. person that you know, yeah, it's great to be competitive, it gives you the edge. Um, it wasn't kind of the be all and end all for me. I preferred to be out taking photographs, I didn't want to have the pressure of well, I must go out and take a photograph because there's a competition coming up at the weekend, you know. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to be solely driven for my love of being out and taking photos rather than for a competition. You know, and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I suppose that's where I met someone actually the weekend below in, uh, I met him last week below in Kerry, and they said to me, Oh, I put in this photo into this competition and it got slated. And I said, Well, mm-hmm. it was actually Terry McSweeney slated it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, but my, my kind of uh, reply was, You know, um, when you join any of these clubs, you kind of have to leave you know, leave any bit of um, sensitivity at the door, you know, you leave mm-hmm. it at the door, you mm-hmm. don't go in um, thinking that people are going to tell you, oh, that's a fantastic image, you know, you're going to get the worst when you go into these clubs, you know, there people are going, mm-hmm. where there's opinions, you're going to get them, you know, and mm-hmm. that's why you go mm-hmm. into these places, so um, I think clubs are fantastic, but you must take them for what they are, you know, they're great places to go and meet people, if you enjoy the the comp- comp- competitiveness fantastic but don't be disappointed when things don't go your way you know you can be very disheartened and very disillusioned by clubs um but they're fantastic places to be but you must mm-hmm. take every club you know no matter what it is you know for what for for what it's there for you know um, 
and and you know what? It depends on what you want to get out of exactly. it as well. I think because yeah. if you if you want to go to a club, I mean, okay, I've never been in a photography club, and it's been over the years. Many people have said to me, "Geez, Darren, would you join our club? Would you join a club?" And I don't want to join the club, not because of anything like from a competition point yeah. of view, but it's what my motivation is. Mm. Why do I want to join the club? And if you want to join the club to meet people, yeah, fantastic, exactly. because you'll meet people that are going to be like-minded. They're all about photography, and yeah. you'll learn from those yeah. people as well as a byproduct in relation to it. If you want somebody to take the shit, rip the shit, piss out of your photographs. Okay, go there too, because you might get that and you might get some honest opinions. Exactly. But where I think where I think you might get the challenge there is that you kind of said it a moment ago, is you have to leave your ego at the door. Do. Hang that up, yeah. because if you bring that in with you and expecting it to be stroked and massaged, mm -hmm. and it's not, you're only going to be disappointed. Yeah. Whereas if you leave it there and you do get good feedback, yeah. You take it for what it actually is because you're not expecting it to be that way. And I think that's where you mentioned a second ago about the competitive side in people. Competitive side in people can come out no matter what you're doing. Exactly. I mean, you know, we mentioned a second ago about MLP and I've mentioned a number of times on the podcast about the amount of work I would have done on that group over the years to build it up to what it became. But then I started to introduce competitions and that's when you see different sides of people coming out and you start to see people, a competitive nature, but trying to find and vying for ways to win something and I think that's where you I what I wouldn't like about the whole competitive side of a photography club per se you yeah know? the green eyed monster comes out from time to time doesn't he <laughs> absolutely yeah. oh she look absolutely well we have I that mean, ourselves you know? you know we have that ourselves like you know and that's only normal you know uh, we have that ourselves from time to time clubs they're great and you know they're great on one side and on the other side they can absolutely kill you you know uh, you say mm -hmm. oh, I've never mm -hmm. gone back but look uh, for me, if I never joined Mallow Camera Club, um, I don't think I'd ever be down the direction I'm probably in, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. grateful for that. Which is, exactly, you know, and I mean, that that's where it can yeah. be different, I suppose, to what everybody wants to be able to get or what you might end up getting from a byproduct of being part of that club, I yes, suppose. And exactly. I think, you know, when... When we look at that, and I, you know, when you were in the club, you alluded to a second ago, you know, you went off and you'd go find out things and such like that. Were you somebody who people would go to within the club to kind of go, yeah. how do I do this? Ask Rodney. Yeah, I suppose I was um, with, with the two lads, with the two lads, John and Dennis. Our group kind of grew, you know, and it kind of expanded over time. And there was probably five or six of us then at one stage. And um, as John Flynn said to me, he says, uh, you, were, you knew all about your camera, but you couldn't take photographs, you know? So... So, which which probably did happen. I probably put too much time into, f and I was focused on um, maybe the technical side the of things rather than settings, rather yeah. than worrying about Image. what was in front of me and just capturing that, you know. Um, mm -hmm. but that kind of mm -hmm. came later. I, I enjoyed the journey, you know, and it's 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 a journey. Um, I like, it's a huge. It can be hugely frustrating, you know, absolutely mm -hmm. frustrating. Uh, when I got my camera first, um, the bridge camera, like I was reading the manual. And what are we talking 14 years ago? I don't know how prevalent was the internet for learning and... Yeah, very minuscule, was, I would imagine, yeah. in regards to what was out there anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I had, Plus, you would be able to have downloaded anything pretty fast because you would have had to uh, dial up. But I, I didn't <laughs> even have a computer down, you know? So I was landed with this digital camera and all of a sudden it was a case of either taking the take in the card into the chemist <laughs> or nice. get a computer and try and put them onto the computer and so that was kind of the next stage for me in my photography was learning the computer you know and mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I remember I worked for a guy at the time and he says to me he had a computer like you know and he's like the hardest thing look and he pressed the button down there he says turning it on that's the hardest thing <laughs> <laughs> 
after that he says after that he says you'll you'll you there's no problems <laughs> and you know what right so, uh, the reason i was just kind of thinking there about you know different settings and such like that is because like you've probably seen it over the years that if somebody new joins a club they've got their expectation and they can get frustrated when they don't know how to get that photograph right yeah. um or you get somebody that knows how to get the photograph, knows all the technical things, like and John Hooten would say, yeah, but you don't know how to take a photograph because you don't know, the, you're not thinking about taking that photo. So I suppose with that in mind, if somebody, if you met somebody today and they said, you know, Rodney, I'm thinking of getting into that photography. I saw some of those pictures there online and I'd to go to get them myself and I'm going to go off and I'm going to get a camera. What would be the kind of the, the best advice you'd give to somebody who's starting out in photography? Okay, the first thing I, I suppose, look, I'd ask them, what exactly do you want to photograph? And, mm-hmm. you know, you'd, and what's, um, what's very important also is the budget. What's your budget? And, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's like anything. Um, you have to put a huge amount of time into something if you, if you want to get the most out of it. Um, mm-hmm. Like, we all know that you just point the mobile phone now and it takes the most amazing pictures, you know. It sure does, and, yeah, and, absolutely. And the problem then, and like you'd have it the same as I would, you you get out your camera and it's nothing like what you see on the mobile phone, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the mobile phone is is um, is um an image that's processed in camera, um almost probably HDR-like, and mm-hmm. our cameras are nowhere near like that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So budget is number one. You know, you'd want to be tailoring the camera for the specific requirements of what you're going to photograph. Um, but you have to put in the time down, you know, it's, it's, there's no, there's no fast tracking. I suppose, well, if I was to say fast tracking, there is, you can go and get some tuition from the likes of me or any other um, tutor um, or educator around the country, you know, that will kind of set you on the right track. Um, and mm-hmm. I suppose I'd liken, I'd liken that now to the golfing grip. You know, when you start off golfing, if that grip is poor, it's you'll carry that with you throughout your, uh, throughout your. For sure. It affects the swing and everything. You know, so you know, mm-hmm. get a good, um, get a good standing. You know, get a good start. You know, a good structure, and um, you know, if you have, if you're spending a lot of money on the camera, um, you know, invest in yourself as well, and and get. If you're a person that um, that is quite happy to go on the internet and troll, you know, there's loads of valuable information available but put the effort into getting to know about the camera first um join a camera club you know great place to start um Mm -hmm. or i think everyone now has somebody that uh, is interested in photography um i mean look you have all the forums now like mlp there i'm sure i've seen plenty of questions over the years there you know what's a good starting Mm -hmm. camera um but Time, time, and putting in the time is is everything, you know. Putting in the time, you have to put it mm-hmm. in. You have to. I mean, look exactly that. You know, you're not going to be able to pick something up and know how to use it in the first instance. And I think more importantly, if you actually understand that you have to invest in yourself, you will get better. The more yeah. you do something, you will get better. But as you say, if you're doing it wrong from the very beginning, then you will be harder to set that right the further you go on as well. And it's interesting, you mentioned actually what we'll do there is we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and let's talk a bit more about uh, learning and workshops, will we? Yeah, cool, Darren. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, we'll be right back after this. Hey guys, this is Nick Page from the Landscape Photography Podcast and you are listening to the Irish Photography Podcast. 
very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Rodney, we alluded to there at the end of the first ep- or the first part about uh, learning and investing in yourself and workshops. So, you know, let's talk a bit more about workshops, right? And I suppose the, to kind of tee it up for you, um, when I first met you, I knew straight away that you were able to teach people and you had a very good way of explaining it to people. And, you know, I remember even at the time from my own point of view that I, like I said earlier on, I, I kind of I grew up with photography and I got better with photography because meeting up with people and you were one of those people that I would have met up with. So, you know, when you had mentioned at the time to me that you were thinking about, you know, doing workshops, I immediately, if you can recall, I said, yeah, absolutely do it right away. And there, re- there was no hesitation from my point yeah. of view because I could see that there was an innate ability there. And again, as you mentioned, I could see where it came from because within the club, you know, with the guys, you're helping them and stuff like that. But to go a step further then and to decide to become a workshop leader, when and why did you start and consider to be a workshop leader? Um, I suppose, yeah, that's a great question, Darren. Um, initially, I suppose I had been traveling around the country, you know. I would have had organized um, trips away from my friends. Um, mm-hmm. The lads that I would have got to know on the camera club, uh, I have a few friends in the UK that would come over. And that way I would have met on my travels, you know, and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd organize a trip once a year. I suppose it started off with day trips. You know, I would have I would have been the person that would have organized it all. You know, we'd, we'd be leaving there at six o'clock from the archers in Mallow every mm-hmm. uh, maybe once a month, you know, then, and the groups were getting bigger and bigger heading off down in cars. Then I kind of progressed to organizing weekends away. I suppose I found myself organizing the whole lot from kind of locations to meeting other photographers to accommodation. I was keen to do a workshop in, um, I had the idea of doing a workshop in Antrim because I knew Antrim fairly well. Okay. So um, I began to shoot with Emer, Emer Collins. Uh, Emer's a very good friend of mine. She, um, we decided to do a workshop in Antrim primarily because we wanted to earn money to travel you know okay that was a good motivation that yeah. was the motivation yeah. you know no i i wasn't very prevalent on on uh on social media at the time so i was email was doing all the advertising she advertised the workshop and just an hour later she contacted me she said rodney that's all out she said <laughs> will we do another one and i said yeah so i contacted the hotel and i said look uh can you book us in again the few days after and so they confirmed all that, and uh, we put okay. up we put up another one, and that sold out. Um, so, okay. so that that provided us with the funds to uh, travel to Iceland, you know. Okay. So I, Iceland that was probably say in November. Iceland was booked for the following March, you know. It wasn't until I was over in Iceland in, um, that I came across a workshop group. I noticed that the leader was more or less a guide, you know, that he was. He was a leader, but he was also a guide, and you know, it was a very relaxed kind of uh, scenario. And uh, I was watching, and I was saying, to, I was saying to myself, if I was one of those clients, I do feel I'd want a lot more attention than what they were getting. You know, they were getting. Yeah. Okay. How I work, um, you know, my clients number one. Clients are always right, Darren. You know, even if they're wrong, For they're sure. right. You know. Um, yeah. It's like the customer in the shop. Um, you, For sure. You know, if they come in, you don't tell them they're wrong. You know, you you you, sure. you you work around it. I just felt that I could do that, and give a better service. And probably, mm-hmm. and I was looking at the price of workshops as well, and I felt that I could do the same job for less and still make mm-hmm. a fair wage. You know, I, I don't mind telling you. I came back and I advertised two uh, two workshops for the October. I advertised uh, sorry one workshop for the following October. Couldn't set a place in it. <laughs> <laughs> huh? True Scott couldn't sell a bloody place <laughs> and I was saying to myself what the hell is going on here I think no matter 
how you advertise something, unless you're known, unless mm-hmm. people have faith in you, you can forget about it. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how much you price mm-hmm. something, um, unless you kind of have a track record um, of people kind of traveling with you and you have those recommendations, you know, and you have them posted on your website that people can go and look, um, you know, forget about it. You know, people mm-hmm. must have confidence in you. So I think it took a while for that to build. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it now. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I love what I do. It's a dream job. You know, there's no question mm-hmm. about it. I travel to quite a few countries in Europe. That's not because, um, I suppose, that initially kind of happened. The work isn't here in Ireland, you know. I always liken, you know, the Irish, let's say Paddy. Like, if Paddy mm-hmm. has a nail, if Paddy has a nail, and it's a big nail, and he can't drive it, he just buy a bigger hammer, you know. We, we like to do things ourselves, you know. And we, we, our last resort is paying someone else to do something we can do ourselves, you know. Um, so, big nail, big hammer, you know. So, we just won't pay anybody, you know. And I probably like that myself over the years, you know. So, I think for sure. workshops in Ireland, I feel, are kind of difficult for that kind of, uh, that kind of reason, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you know, ah, sure, I can drive down there myself and I'll get my own photographs, you know. Uh, you will, but if you go with a guide, you'll get the most out of it, you know. This is this is why we're there, you know. You, I'll, I'll, I'll make the most of your day for you. You'll be rolling, you'll be dead by the end of the day by the time you're finished with me, you know. Um, yeah, you'll be, yeah. you'll be knackered, but um, you'll have the most of your day. But I suppose we're less inclined to go abroad. You know, we're less inclined mm-hmm. to take that chance in going abroad. So that's where I come in. And, you know, you've, you've said, there's several other operators there along, alongside myself. And, um, you know, we take all that hassle away from you. You know, you just turn up mm-hmm. at the airport and we organize everything for you, you know. And, you know, you mentioned here even in regards to the, to the airport, but even from a local point of view, right? So, like, Ireland, we've said it before, I suppose, you know, in many conversations you and I have had, but I suppose even on the podcast I've said it before, Ireland punches above its weight for the amount of locations that we have. For such a small island, we are blessed to have such variety. I mean, you know, you've got cliffs, you've got seas, right? You've got beautiful islands, you've got lakes, you've got woods, you've got forests, you've mountains. I mean, all we're short effectively is a desert. I mean, we don't have a desert. Now, at the same point, you know, when you look around Ireland, there's a number of places that you could go to and you'd like to go to, but you may not, number, number one, know where they are. Mm. Number two, you may not know the right time of year to go there when the light is going to be right for that place. You may also not know how to read the weather. Yeah. You may also not know in regards to what's a plan B if the weather isn't right. And guess what? Nine times out of ten, the weather is wrong. I mean, the, the Irish weather is very hard to predict except for its cloudy chance of rain. I mean, look, that's the easiest job in the world from a weather forecaster point of view, if you call it that. But when we're looking for specifics, unless you know what to look for, you really can't do it yourself. You might be lucky that you got lucky when you were there in the conditions, but as far as planning it and knowing where you need to go, absolutely a guide is an important place to be, or an important thing to have with you. But the place then to be is a plethora of choices. So, like, from workshops in Ireland, where have you held workshops in Ireland? Okay, um, I suppose close to home, we we would have Killarney, uh, we'd have Dingle. Yeah. Dingle, my favourite place to go. Um, I've been to uh, Donegal, um, Antrim, Waterford on the Copper Coast, um, I've done them above in, in White Rocks with Emer above in, um, in Killiney 
Uh, we've done mm-hmm. them above um, near Morrington in our home place. I've advertised one for the Bear Peninsula, but there's, I think there's too far down. No one wanted to travel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, Donegal is fairly, uh, is, fair, is a fair long ways uh, away as well, but Donegal is special, like, you know. Here's an interesting one for you, Rodney, right? And I agree with you, Donegal is absolutely beautiful. Donegal is special. But Beira is beautiful. Yeah. And Beira is a place that is so overlooked because... Mm. You're going to travel all the way down that far. You might as well just skip over onto the other peninsulas because you've got more to look at. You can go into the Kerry area and stuff like yeah. that. You can get lost in those areas a lot more. But I remember mentioning MLP, you know, and I, I organized meetups over the years. And I went to different areas, started one down in Killarney, I had another one down in Waterford, and then I did one down in Beira. And when I did the one in Beira, I think I had eight people or something like that that were going to go. And it ended up being three people because... Oh, actually, I didn't realize how far away it was. You're from Cork. <laughs> you didn't realize how far away it was. But the fact is, it is far away, even if you are from Cork, because to get there, it's, it's down the very, very bottom. But there's so much to explore on that yeah. peninsula alone. It's amazing. So much. Yeah. For me now to get, say, to Ali, his, it would take me about two hours and 40 minutes, um, yeah. Yeah. which is fine. You know, it takes me two yeah. hours to get to Dingle. Um, I'm two hours and 15 out to... Uh, out to Slayhead. Um, like I suppose a lot of what I do when you talk about planning, you know, um, a lot of what I would do is like on this, like yourself, Darren, I'm only 20 minutes from you, a half an hour, you know, like mm-hmm. we can look at the weather and if it's pouring Kerry, we can look at Waterford, you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we're right smack in the middle of the south of the country, you know, so two hours, mm-hmm. are, two hours either way, we can be in the two corners of the country more or less, you know. Um, sure. And another sure. another two hours we can be above in Clare, you know. It's like the lads above in Dublin, I suppose. Now, for you and me to get, say, to Glendalough, we'd have to, that'll t- that's a good four hours. But if we, were, yes. if we were to go straight, it wouldn't be, but we can't go straight, unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the mountains. But that's, Exactly, yeah. yeah. But Ireland... That's the, that's the challenge. Yeah, Ireland in general, you can be anywhere in the country in four or five hours, you know. Um, and we have every kind of diverse landscape at our... At our beck and call. We have, you know, and I mean, look, you alluded to there a moment ago about Dingle, and Dingle is also one of my favourite places to go shoot. But, you know, even if you look at the locations that you go to, right, it's not just about going to one location. I mean, where are you going to take photos? Clarny National Park. Okay, where? Clarny National Park. No, but where in Clarny National yeah. Park? And when in Clarny National yeah. Park? And at what time of the day or what time of the year are you going to be in that spot? And I think yeah. that's where the key of it comes in, is having that knowledge to be able yeah. to plan a workshop around that and you know the other advantage i suppose really and it's something that i've noticed you know even when i went um to to to, to the uk to snowdonia yeah i didn't have to think all i had to do was turn up and follow the leader basically yes. i didn't have to think i didn't have to worry i didn't have to look for an alternative it was all there i could just basically sit into the back and i didn't even have to drive yeah. i was being brought there okay so like from that point of view like you know, you even in Ireland, right? You want to go and take photos in Killarney. Okay, you could go around to Killarney. You could drive down yourself. You might get the timing all wrong. You won't know the location. Yeah. You won't know the distance it takes you to get from A to B. Yes. Whereas you could just, off you go on a workshop. And okay, granted, now at the moment, even on one-to-ones, you have to travel separately. Yeah. But you're going to follow somebody. Yeah. They're going to bring you to the places that you need to go to. And you're going to be taken care of as well to be able to learn not only about the location, but also how to take the shot. And I think, you know, that's in Ireland and that's fine. That's not that far of a distance to travel. Yeah. But then, as you mentioned a moment ago, doing a workshop abroad, right? So 
it's one thing to go to Clarny for the first time. Okay, you're still in Ireland. Okay, you're in Kerry. Some people might say it's a different country, but okay, you're, you're still in Ireland, right? <laughs> but in, 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 in the bigger scheme of things, right? If you want to go to, let's just say, Italy, yeah. and you see beautiful pictures in Italy, and you want to go there yourself, the amount of work and research you have to do in advance is huge. Yes. The amount of planning that you have to do to get there for accommodation, for transportation, where's where's the right place to eat? I won't know. And I mean, and that's then I think where the international workshop comes in because all you have to do is get on a plane. That's it. When you arrive, everything else is taken care of. You'll be met at the airport. You'll be shown into your car. You'll be, or be shot to the car. You'll be brought to your accommodation. And then guess what? You'll get up and you'll go to these beautiful spots. You won't have to look at Satnav. You won't have to worry about this and that. Everything will be all timed around what's required for it. So I think even on that point, an international workshop is even more valuable. So mm. like, where, where abroad have you done international workshops? Yeah, I suppose I'll touch on that, you know, and research abroad in a second. So I suppose I've been to um, Norway, Lofoten Islands, Iceland. Um, Iceland is fantastic, but it's a very high risk, a very high risk, especially during winter. Um, I've been to Morocco more recently, uh, Slovenia, um, Tuscany. Um, mm -hmm. In the UK, I've been to Northumberland, I've been to Cornwall, I've been to the Lake District, uh, I've been to Dorset. Um, in Scotland, I've done Sky, I've done um, Glencoe, I've done the Hebrides. Hebrides are amazing, Darren. Oh my God, absolutely, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, yeah, I heard that, yeah. Oh, they're stunning. Um, I was hoping to go back there in October, but geez, everything was, everything was wiped out. On pause. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as regards to, uh, I suppose I have a look at, look, we look at what's trending, maybe you know, and where people are going, and um, there's a few, there's a few things I suppose to look at. First thing to look at would be the cost of flights in, to wherever I'm going to run a workshop, um. If, if the cost of a flight, say, even to mainland Europe is more than 300 euro, I, I'd be swayed away from it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind paying over 300 euro, three to 400 euro going to Norway, but not try paying 300 euro to fly to the likes of France. Or, you know, I suppose when you look at a workshop, uh, you'll say, okay, that's the price of the workshop. And then first thing you do, you won't, you won't book it. You go and look at the price of flights. You know, yes. So, um, mm -hmm. if the price of flights are reasonable, well, then that's manageable, you know. Um, but if the, mm -hmm. if the prices of flights into places are colossal, you know, there's no one going to come in my workshop, you know. They just won't, mm -hmm. you know. I'm I'm limiting who I can have on my workshop, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to make them available to everybody, you know. I try to price them as fair as I can, um, but at the same time. I must make money, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So yeah. that's the first thing I look at. Um, you know, the availability of reasonably priced flights. Um, the next thing is a base. Um, you know, so, so for the likes of Tuscany, um, for the likes of Tuscany, I flew into Rome. Um, the flights into Rome arrived in the morning. And mm -hmm. which meant I was able to take my group and get them to Tuscany for two o'clock. We'd be out shooting in the afternoon. Had I chosen to fly into Pisa, they didn't fly until the afternoon, which meant there was no photography the first day. And it was also mm -hmm. an early flight home on the last day. So mm -hmm. airports you fly into are very important. You know, you always mm -hmm. want to try and get mm -hmm. clients a, a bit of a shoot the first and last days. You know, it, it kind of stretches mm -hmm. out the workshop and that's good for me as well. And it gives better value to the clients, you know. 
Um, for sure, for sure. And I suppose, you know, when we start looking at that, then like, you know, with diff hosting different workshops and such and you teaching people to get better at photography or to find compositions or whatever they're looking to achieve. What have you learned now from hosting workshops? OK, so what I've learned, obviously, is people are at different, different levels, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also learned that, um, you know, you have to kind of figure out a person fairly quickly. You know, I might mm-hmm. I might have them for three days, three full days in a workshop, two two half days either side. So you know, I have to connect with that person. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and if I don't, they, uh, it's quite possible they'll have a a, a bad experience. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so I must try and figure out everybody's ability fairly quickly, uh, what they mm-hmm. want from the workshop. No, that's a question I ask as well. You know, their abilities and have they any special requests for the workshop? You know, if, if mm-hmm. I find out that someone is struggling in the composition, you know, I'll I'll concentrate on that with them or if there's another aspect of it. Um so it really is working with people down. You know, a workshop is the photography is the easiest part of it. It's finding out mm-hmm. people's needs, um mm-hmm. and working with them to make sure that they get what they wanted when they booked the workshop, you know. Um and, and I suppose, you know, with that in mind, right? Um like everybody in life has a, obviously got a bit of anxiousness when they do something. Yeah. Know, right. So, you know, somebody who's never been on a workshop and they might be anxious about going to, I don't know if I'm going to, no, I could be the worst that's there. They might be all yeah. laughing at me or I could be too good for everybody else. And then them like, okay. Or, like, you know, maybe I, they won't like me or maybe I'll get lost or maybe I'll be late or whatever it may have been. There's a number of yeah. fears, I suppose, and anxiousness that are natural in human beings. So from your point of view, what would you advise somebody who's never been on a workshop? What would you advise them to expect? Um, OK, I suppose, look, what I do starting off when you'd um, about two months before the workshop will we'll actually start. I actually set up a social media uh, group. Um, it could be a WhatsApp group. It could be a Facebook. And um, I'll put all the people... <laughs> Now, this hasn't backfired on me yet, but it might someday. <laughs> I, okay. Because there might be someone saying, oh, Jesus, he's going. I'm not going in the workshop. Like, I get a cancellation. <laughs> but what I do is I set up a group and um, I, I I invite the people in um, that are going in the workshop. And if they're a bit slow to come into it, I might send them an email or I might send them a private message and say, look, I set up this group. Um, all the people that are going, you'll see who's going. Uh, it's a private group. Mm-hmm. You can ask what questions you want. And um, I remember I set one up actually for uh, going to Iceland a few years ago. And Mark O'Brien and Terry Maxini were on it. And uh, okay. I had a chap from the UK, Max. And Max comes with me all the time. And, of course, the Kerry men started firing uh, uh, crap at the English men over the soccer results. <laughs> uh, that, was the, that was the first introduction in the group, like, you know. <laughs> but, you hadn't even got in to take photos yet you know, at this point in time, and I'd no. never met this man Max you know and uh, I said Jesus Christ almighty what's going on what, what am I going he, he might cancel you know but uh, turned out to be the, the greatest uh, he was the greatest crack of all times you know but uh, that was mm-hmm. the time we mm-hmm. had the bad weather but yeah so I, I introduce a group you get to see who's there um, and you can ask whatever questions you want you know and uh, I think it's a good kind of a starting point and so when you nice breaker, when yeah. you arrive at the airport, then you might spot this fellow over there, and you say, "Oh, jeez, that's your man in the group," you know. So it's a bit of a breaker, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's important to get people to gel. You know, I think that kind of puts them to at ease. It could, it, I'm well aware it could work the other way. 
but mm-hmm. uh, it has for sure it hasn't yet you know um mm-hmm. so yeah so like when you come in the workshop um i suppose wherever it is um you know i i i i give my uh i have expectations you know like i have expectations and my expectations are that everyone will get what they signed up for you know that they, they want like i'm showing these pictures and of these beautiful places and i must i must bring that to fruition you know i must take them there mm-hmm. and if they mm-hmm. can't see the image that i took it's my job to help them you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i just find you know people like you, i think you said there that you know you're struggling in a new location that's my job just start people off and once you start mm-hmm. them off just a little kickstart you know mm-hmm. that's all they need you know and um and i think and I think that's really important as well because you know everybody needs a bit of a prod, yeah. like giving them the prod in the right direction. You know, yeah. but even with that, with that in mind, I suppose like an interesting one I think would be, how do you ensure that because there'll be differing levels of skill in the actual field? So, yeah. for example, if there's five people out, yes. And okay, I, I want to get this, but I'm not very good at that. The person next to me doesn't want any tuition at all. They know it all already, but yet they're still not getting the photograph, let's just say, and they can't yeah. figure out why, but they're too but they're too proud to ask, let's just say, in that point of view. Yeah. Or then you've got somebody that's mediocre but wants to get better, and you've somebody who thinks that they're not good, but they're actually very, very good. So there's a huge different plethora of different um, uh, skill sets. Yeah. So how do you ensure like, that the different levels are catered for from each group? Uh, you have to be very clever, Darren, um, in that one, though. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have to go, I suppose the way I do it is I go around to each individual and it might only it might only take a minute or two and uh, I'd always have a look, you know, and I might just point out little things, but I'd never let anyone else hear me saying what I'm saying to the individuals, you know, mm-hmm. so they mm-hmm. don't know whether I'm giving them help or what I'm doing. So it doesn't um, it doesn't hurt anyone's kind of um, self-confidence, if you know what I mean, or, or ego. There's mm-hmm. no ego bashing, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm, I'm just absolutely. I'm just quietly given given maybe a little help, and sometimes you give you give it to them and they don't even realize it, you know, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, that's the key. Mm-hmm. I think the key is knowing when to kind of just give a tap on the shoulder and when to leave them alone, you know. Mm-hmm, absolutely, um, yeah. and I think you know you're right too. I think because in that point of view, if somebody is comfortable, yeah, then they'll enjoy it exactly. And I think that's a bit, you know, and that's a very good insight, I suppose, really to the importance of you know being on a workshop with a yeah. group of people. But enjoy it because it is fun. It's the, it's the memories it of the is. people that will stay with you a lot longer, I think, than the photographs. I mean, yeah. you know, I've met many people that I've got out shooting with over the years, even in different groups. And it's the people that you talk with. You, you, you don't, OK, you can admire your pictures, but you don't have conversations with your photographs. Yes. And I, the people that you meet there can end up being lifelong friends. Yeah. Um, you know, because th- there's relationships. And also, I think more importantly, there is a common theme. There's a common uh, love or passion for photography so the conversations are kind of easily flowing when you want to bring it back around photography but how often when you know it yourself when you're in a, in a group of people you talk about photographs yes but by the end of it you're talking about everything and yeah. everybody's just getting to know everybody what they do what they've done yeah. you're t- sharing jokes and that to me i think is a is a key point i suppose that you know you learn not only from the workshop leader but also the people that you're there with. Oh, without a doubt, Darren, you know, and what I find um, with a workshop, uh, my as as the workshop goes on, my kind of input gets less and less, you know, because I can see mm-hmm. the confidence kind of building and probably mm-hmm. middle or after, you know, the two, 
uh, two thirds of the way into the workshop, I have people coming back to me, showing me stuff, you know, and <laughs> that's fantastic, you know, and they're, they're yeah, jumping out of their yeah. skin, you know. Um, so I, my, my kind of work kind of starts off kind of in a, it's a heavy load starting off and it reduces, 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 you know, all the time. Um, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, like it's people really are, it's working with people, you know, that's what it's all about. Um, the photography is the easiest part of it. It's the people you have to mm-hmm. work with to make sure that they can, they can capture, just to give them that confidence to capture what's in front of them. You know that they can actually do it. You know, it's not, it's not only the the great photographers that you see post and the, the fantastic images. You know, they can do it as well. You know, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and Rodney, that was a great insight, I suppose, really in regards to you know workshops and what you do and you know the whole idea of getting people better. So you know what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, another break. We're going to come back now, right? We have three questions that we ask all of our guests. I'm not going to leave you off them just because you're a friend of mine, okay? So I'm going to ask you exactly the same three questions. So yeah, be ready now for your, uh, your good answers. So look, yeah, we'll be right back after this. Hello, I'm Mess Peter Iverson, and you're listening to the Irish Photography Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the final part of the Irish Photography Podcast. So Rodney, like I alluded to, we have three questions that we ask all of our guests. And you know, the first question I'm going to ask you is, you must have many of them, but tell us what is your funny photography story. <laughs> yeah, I have to laugh at this now, Darren. So, um, I suppose uh, this happened very recently, you know, <laughs> and um, um, I recently did a podcast, Darren. Do you know, this isn't the first time. Um, do you know, I've, All right, I've, yeah. I've been on a podcast before. Um, okay. It was actually only last night. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, we did... Uh, we did the podcast, went great, and um, got to the end of it, and um, right. the uh, podcast leader um, said to me, right, Rodney, will you send me your audio? So okay. um, I looked at my screen, and uh, I tapped my mic just just like this, and I could see the audio bouncing up and down, but there was nothing recorded. <laughs> 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 so... That was with you, Darren, last night. <laughs> <laughs> I know I said I'd play along with it there for a bit, all right, yeah. Yeah, but you know so, what that was. Uh, yeah, that that was an interesting one, Rodney. I have to tell you that, my man. That was an interesting so one for sure. I was. Uh, I have this saying: when something goes wrong, I I I said to someone, "You're a toolbox." So I was the toolbox last night. <laughs> 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 and you know what the interesting thing about it is that you know like we're having the conversation for the second time this yeah, evening I so know, you know yeah. the audience i hope you haven't realized that this is our second time having this one <laughs> but at the same point yeah we didn't realize it till the very very end yeah so yeah, yeah that's a, oh a very fresh that's a very fresh story rodney fair play to you boy but you know what at least you got good experience for coming on this evening anyway so you'd be more wax lyrical i think so far yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, you know what these ah, things yeah. happen. Yeah, you know, it's it was great. I mean, I've enjoyed it there down to the ground. I, I have to say, I've enjoyed uh, talking to you down to the ground. You know, and uh, I'd recommend anyone to come on and do it. You know, so if there's anyone out there that you know you think you can't do it, yes, you can. You know, you can of course. I'll mind you. I'll mind you. Don't worry. I'll mind you. <laughs> 
And, I, and even if you don't press the record button, I'll still mind you. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> no, when he came on this evening, I have to say, he, he was a bit disillusioned looking as to say, oh, geez, I have to do this again, you know? The enthusiasm that he, the enthusiasm that he showed last night wasn't there tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope I press record anyway. Tonight. That's You're one thing. Imagine that. Thanks, Randy. Oh, good story. Man. Good again, good fresh story as well. Okay, second question, right? And, you know, I know you do suffer from a bit of gas, okay? Not the, you know, the, the other type, but the actual real gas, the gear acquisition syndrome. You have gone through a number of camera bodies over the years, mm. and you kind of alluded to it at the beginning and the, you know, the intro. So, like, what gear do you shoot with right now? So, right now, Darren, um, I've moved over to the Olympus Micro Four Thirds system. And i okay. um, really enjoying it. Um, I suppose the initial move was a bit of gas, I suppose. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, sa- <laughs> I said I, I, I get that from my travels, you know. Uh, a lighter system. Now, you couldn't get much lighter than the Sony system, I'll be honest with you. Um, yes. But, yeah, you know, um, I'd seen a few clients and workshops and they had it. And uh, I was just amazed at what this little camera could do. Um, so, back in March, probably at the, at the start of lockdown, um. Just before lockdown, actually, I, I purchased it off of, uh, I'll just give Paddy Barker a shout there. Paddy's fantastic. Yeah, good man, Paddy, yeah. And Paddy's dealing in, in, in Olympus. And, you know, I think he's also dealing in other brands now as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I bought it off Paddy. And, you know, I think it kind of saved me during lockdown, I'll be honest with you. It gave me, mm-hmm. you know, something new. And um, mm-hmm. it definitely did, you know, it definitely, Jesus, saved my bacon during, during lockdown. It saved my sanity. I was able to go down to the mm-hmm. park and I started to see things in a new perspective totally, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I soon realized, I suppose, that um, how good it was. And I purchased a couple of more lenses. I got them secondhand on eBay, I think. And, um, you know, that was March. I never again took the Sony system out of the bag. Um, wow. I had four Sony bodies there, you know, four full frame Sony bodies, which uh, I had, you know, they were, I had an A7 one, an A7S, which is fantastic for video. I had an, video, uh, yeah. an A7R one. So like what I had really in the bodies was I had a 12 megapixel, 24, 36 and 42, you know, and <laughs> now I'm going back to 20 micro four thirds and i have much more enjoyment out of that camera than i have gotten in all the years out of the sony you know uh, i i really do feel i have a camera now that um i can do anything with you know and you know it's interesting you say it there about paddy like because i remember going up to visit paddy a number of occasions and he's telling me about the olympus and i'm looking at it and going geez yeah it looks interesting all yeah. right and then it's micro four thirds i'm like mm, okay no i don't know if you're interested in that and then he said to me no it has this cool feature that was you're doing, like you like doing long exposures, Darren. Like, you know, you, yeah. it actually builds the long exposure does, yeah. on the back of the screen for you so you can actually see it. And I was fascinated. I was like, wow, Jesus, what's that about? So, like, is that something that you think is unique? Is it something that you use? Is it something um, that's a gimmick? Or is it something as that... regards being unique, I think a lot of the cameras have that built in now, you know, a lot of the new Nikons, okay. um, maybe even your Canon might have it, have a peek, you know. Oh, I, no, I, the, <laughs> the, the OSR doesn't have yeah. it, no. no. Um, but I suppose to explain it briefly, what it is, is um, it's called, is it live view ramping? Um, they also have this thing called live composite as well, which is absolutely fantastic. But just about the, the long exposure anyway, um, you can shoot, if you're shooting on a, a base ISO of 100, you can get the screen to pulse 24 times. Okay. 
So it will give you a view 24 times of how the picture is actually going. And you can space out that. It give, you can space out that pulse. So and okay. you'll actually get a live histogram as well when it pulses. So it's actually, um, so say if you have a two-minute exposure, uh, 24, say set, set the exposure for, you know, to show you every four seconds. You know, mm-hmm. so you're, you're mm-hmm. actually going to nail your exposure. You'll see it building on the back and you'll get a pulse every four seconds and it'll brighten and brighten and brighten and brighten until you can actually see what's going to come out. And Enough stuff, like, yeah, yeah, you see it cooking. And, like, if the light changes in the meantime, if it gets brighter, you can shut it down. If it's if it gets darker, you can continue, you know. Continue yeah. on, yeah. So it's, it's an amazing system um, coupled with the image stabilization. Um Dynamic range probably definitely isn't quite there, but look, it's micro four thirds. Um, I'm not bothered. I think look, I'm experienced enough that I can work with dynamic range anyway. Um, I mm-hmm. use you know especially with the use of filters. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose the beauty about the mirrorless over the DSLRs, um, what you see in the viewfinder is what's going to come out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, there's lots of pluses. You know would be a fantastic system for any of the ladies out there that are listening you know i'd highly recommend it uh mm-hmm. i know a few of my clients above in dublin now they, they they shoot with it you know and um absolutely thrilled mm, so, so so lightweight <clears throat> yeah water splash proof yeah. waterproof um one t- one downside if if there was one downside um uh, and the plus, you have an enormous depth of field, right? Because effectively, the effectively you have a two crop. You know, it's 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 a multiplication factor of two. But on the downside, mm-hmm. any speck of dust is multiplied as well. <laughs> you know, okay. so, so a tiny okay. little a tiny little fucking speck of dust becomes huge on the sensor. You know, and then that's it, yeah. ghost. Yes, ghost. Well, you you'll get rid of it. You know, obviously, but that's the only thing I can. Um, that's my only downside. A speck of dust. How, how about if you? Yeah, but how about now if you think in regards to Olympus? I mean, Olympus now are no longer. They've been bought out by that Japan company, whatever it's called. Um, like, what do you think there? Are you think you're going to be able to continue with the iteration of what you have right now with Olympus, yeah. or are they going to kind of change it, or rebrand it, or strip it and repurpose it? What do you think it's going to be? Yeah, I suppose the danger there, and there, are, there everybody mentioned it, would be that, uh, is it Japan? Japan Imaging Company, is it? I think that's what they're called. That the danger was that they'd buy the, um, just the copyright to all the technology that uh, Olympus have introduced, and mm-hmm. um, that they would then cease um, um, any uh, cease, production. Cease production. And take away the um the technology that they they bought basically, but you know I think the reports are coming back that you know that's not the case. Um, okay. Since it's been announced, there's been several new lenses. Um, there's actually been a new lens. Uh, there's a new what is it one fifty to four hundred Pro. It's a big white lens with a which uh is a four and a half f four point five with a built in teleconverter and. Paddy tells me he has that for six nine nine nine, nearly seven grand. So is that all? So get one, get one for the weekend as well, like. But the equivalent. They come in different colors. The equivalent, I think, you're looking at a six hundred, like it's a three hundred to eight hundred f four point five. You know, it's amazing mm, lens. Okay. And I've seen some mm, of the interesting. Yeah, yeah. Look, you need to be, 
you need to have a specific job for that. You'd want to be pulling money off of that every week, you know, sports, nature mm-hmm. photography. You'd want to be earning serious mm-hmm. money with that, you know, to, to mm-hmm. justify it. For sure, to justify yeah. it, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking, I suppose, of, of earning money to buy equipment and stuff like that, the third question that I have for you is a regular segment that we have in the podcast. It's called a VSP. Stands for very solid product. Okay. And it's a piece of equipment that you would put your name to it. You won't leave home without it. Yeah. So, you know, um, Rodney O'Callaghan, what is your BSP? I suppose um, I'd almost feel na- naked without my filters down, you know. Um, okay. You know, okay. that's my kind of creative. Uh, that's where they allow me to be creative with shutter speeds, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I've always down through my, my photography, I've always been kind of mesmerized and, um, you know, intrigued by the whole idea of shutter speed, you know. And mm-hmm. you know how mm-hmm. creative we can be, um, you know when we put on those neutral density filters, sunglasses I call mm-hmm. them, you know, um, yeah. So um, yeah, it would have to be filters. After that, it would have to be a tripod, I suppose, you know. Um, and when you talk about filters now for a moment, right? Because you mentioned we, we we kind of alluded to there with the, the whole <coughs> landscape photography point of view, right? You some people swear by filters. Yeah. Some people won't go near filters. Because, ah, sure, what's the point in doing that? I can do it later. I can just do a bracketed exposure and stuff like that. But when you want to do a specific type of long exposure, you need an ND filter to be able to catch movement in water. Okay, you can do it if you take a series of fast shots and then you go into Photoshop and you combine them, whatever. Yeah. Get it done in one photograph by just putting an ND filter on in front of it. But within your filters, you also then have a filter that you cannot replicate in post, which is your polarizer. And a polarizer is something that, you know, is very, very valuable from a landscape photography uh-huh. point of view because you, you, you need it if you want to be able to have a number of different creative, not even effects, but yeah, okay, creative effects in regards to getting sheen off of yeah. water and stuff like that, you know. Um, it also brings out good color within the uh, landscape itself. Exactly. But, you know, with filters, like, are they all the same? Like, what do you use at the moment? Um, like, I mean, I know you've gone through different types of them over the years, but what, what type of filter do you use at the moment? So at, in, at, what different NDs have you? So at the moment, I'm using the Nissi brand. Okay. And I would have a whole range of uh, filters ranging from 3-stop to 15-stop in the 100mm slot. You know, the mm-hmm. ones that slash square 100mm. Square, yeah. And in the circular, in the circular screw-on, which I would use for bad weather, um, that I can, you know, I love to shoot in bad weather. I have a three, six, and ten as well, you know. Okay. And um, of course, what's hugely important, a hugely important piece of kit is is a remote. You know, I know you use the handle wireless. Um, mm-hmm. I've had them over the years. I broke every freaking one of them. I'll be honest with you. I dropped them in the yeah, water. Yeah, I lost them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I, I got back to the cable, Darren. You know, um, it's, it's the only, yeah. and but that, that's a handle product as well. I think you know. Um, yeah. And you know what? It's interesting there because um, with la- landscape photography and long exposure photography, you know, you mentioned the second thing there, which is vitally important, is your tripod. But yeah. also with your uh, your Olympus, like you can get image stabilization for long exposure handheld mm. shots per se. Okay, not ultra long, but okay, yeah. long enough, right? So like when you're doing that and you're taking, uh, using your filters to go and take the shot and then if you haven't got uh, a solid base that it's going to be on you're not going to get a good shot i mean it's going to end up not working out for you you yeah. know so i think like what you've mentioned there with the remote release 
is one less thing to worry about because if you have to press the, the button on the top, okay, yeah. you can use a two-second timer or a 10-second timer. But if you're trying to catch water that's coming through and you have a two-second timer on, you have yeah. to know, predict in advance of where yeah. you think that's going to be as Impossible. opposed to, yeah. wait, 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 bang. No, you got it exactly for yeah. when you wanted to. So, I mean, a shutter release is vital, but also in combination with your filters and also the, uh, the the tripod. Yeah, I would advise anybody starting off, you know, um, if you're buying gear, if you're buying a camera, no matter what you're buying, go to somebody who has bought all these things, you know, and, you know, we've all bought them. We've bought them several times. We've bought a tripod, mm -hmm. you know, that didn't suffice to our needs. We've bought filters, mm -hmm. you know, that we didn't need. We bought freaking gadgets for the camera that were totally useless, you know. So mm -hmm. before you go, like, I suppose you can buy online now, but if you go to the likes of all these camera shops, you know, you have Petty Barker, you have O'Leary's Camera World there on Cork, that's where you get mm -hmm. the best advice for your requirements, you know. They won't sell you something that is... That you don't need. That, you know, that you don't need, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, that, that's a very good point, I suppose, you know, because, like, we mentioned that many times here again in the podcast about different types of gear. And, you know, I'd always joke and slag Dermot, like, that if it's shiny, yeah. he has to have I've it. I've heard you, right? yeah. And, yeah, and I mean, look, the reality of the situation, he's not the only one that suffers from gas because that's exactly yeah. what happens. That someone goes, oh, I have to have it. Because why? Because it's going to make my life so much better. My photographs are so much better, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, you open the box and you go, this is lovely. You use it once yeah. and that shine has gone off of it because... Mm -hmm. It's either doing what you wanted to do or you don't know how to use it or it actually does what you wanted to do and it was perfectly fine, but it was fun once. Yeah. It's not fun to do it every single time, yeah. you know, so I agree with you. You know, ask people that will know whether or not it's something that you wanted to do. And, you know, again, you know, expectation, I suppose, versus reality doesn't just happen when you're taking your photograph in the field. It happens at what, you know, there's no such thing as a bad camera these days, right? No. So, you know, someone goes off tomorrow and says, oh, I have to buy a five, uh, an EOS 5, uh, USR 5, right? Yes. Really? You have to buy it? Why? Because it's the best out there. Okay, but you're not. You don't need it. What's, what, why do you need that? Like, exactly with the lens. Like, is that going to earn money for you every time you hit that shutter button? Because if yeah. it's not, that is an expensive paperweight in reality for what you're actually going to do or get from another camera. You know, that's, that's a... The EOS R that I have is a phenomenal camera. The 6D that I still have is nine years old. Yeah. It's still a phenomenal camera. Yes. Do you know? So, like, the, the amount of people out there that would think, oh, yeah, I got to get the new one because you're going to get the new one because you're a magpie and it's shiny and you want <laughs> to have it, you know? Yeah. That's the reality. We've all it, suffered, you know, as you say. But I, I think the best thing is, you know, go to the people that are using these products, you know? Yeah, agreed. Send them a message, agreed. you know. Yeah. Photography, the photographers are great. All the people on social media, they all help you, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. And, that, and that's the biggest one, I think, like, you know, that you can learn from others, I think, and that's a, you know, a good way. And even this evening, I mean, you know, I hope our audience are learning from you as well in regards to your thought process behind photography. And again, with the workshop, I think it's, you know, a very good insight into that. But guess what, Rodney, believe it or not, we're out of time. For the second time, we're out of time. <laughs> you know, this has uh, been a fun fun chat, to be honest yeah. with you. And even doing it the second time around, it was actually even more fun, I think, even though we were, I kind of knew where we were going. So I suppose for our audience, Rodney, you know, for the, over the next number of months, like, I mean, what's next for you? Have you workshops coming up? Is there, um, so what can people expect from you in the next couple of months? I suppose in the next few months now, I'm, look, I'm working, uh, I have time off over the Christmas, so I have a few things up there on my website. Um, for anyone that's off, if you're off over Christmas, you know, and you want to head out for a day, you know, just 
stuff on my website. Um, the likelihood of starting back next year early uh, abroad isn't going to happen. So I'm fingers crossed for my first uh, tour will be in Tuscany the 1st of April. Um, I'm Hopefully. very hopeful to get back there. Um, I've started to do a little bit more video, a little bit of video. Um, you might mm -hmm. have seen one there. I saw them actually, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm not going to be doing, I don't think I'm going to be waving the wand outside and doing these vlogs. Ah, no, come on, no. we, need, we need more people. It no. can't just be, come on, we need um, more. No, I just, I enjoy, I enjoyed what I did, you know. Uh, where it's going to go from there, I don't know. I might, I might, I suppose really, look, what I want to produce is, you know, that's, that's what I do during the day. You know, if you come with me, that's what you get. You know, that's what mm -hmm. you'll experience. Mm -hmm. that, that's a flavor. There's a taste. That's the whole idea of that. You know, I'm, it's a, it's promoting myself. You know, and um, I want to do more of it. I want to, I want to, I suppose, catalog my, my time, especially when I go abroad. You know, jeez, I've, I've been to so mm -hmm. many places now that you know all I have is pictures, but I want more. I want, I want video as well to show them off better. You know. Um, Absolutely, yeah, for uh, sure. I think you know what you—you'll get bitten by that bug. I can tell you yeah. from the video editing point of view, because the video editing is something that you either love or you hate. Yeah. And you know, even already, I can see what, uh, what you've made. You're enjoying it, I think, because you've got some nice cuts, you've got some nice transitions and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, you'll probably. Uh, it was all done on my phone, Dan. It was all done on my phone. Well, there you go. Job done. Yeah. Do you know. So uh, I mean, but. I was transitioning that now to the PC, just like we were talking about, you know, the, the photography. <laughs> like, I'm in the same position now as someone starting off. I have to transition from the iPhone to the PC, you know. So it works both ways, you know. We're all in it. I'll come up. I, I, when when all this is over and we can travel easy, I'll come out and I'll give you a crash course on how to put the videos together. Not a crash course, I'll give you a course. I don't want you to crash because most of your stuff will be on the drone anyway because yeah. you won't be onto the camera. But yeah. And I suppose, you know, the final thing there from that, Rodney, where can people find more information about you? Yeah, so look, I'm on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I have a website, rocphoto.ie, www.rocphoto.ie, Rodney O'Callaghan Photography. Uh, I'm also on Flickr. Um, I think as I said, Flickr is. I, I, it's a strange. Nobody knows what Flickr is. It's a strange place. Are the aliens taking our mm -hmm. photographs? Do they own Flickr? I don't know what's happening. You know, there's someone. Um, it is interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Five hundred px. I'm on. I don't you know. I I for me, it's uh, my website. It's Facebook, and it's Instagram. And it's funny. Over the last twelve months, I suppose I've been concentrating more on Instagram, um, because mm -hmm. I think. Is it more the younger people are on Instagram and kind of the the older generation are on Facebook? I, I I'm not sure. It's 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 funny to figure out, you know. Um, it, it, it's it's possibly yeah. true, you know. Yeah. I mean, in Instagram is not exactly a social social platform per se. Instagram yeah. is instant gratification. Look yes. at what I have. Look at my photograph. Yeah. Bang! There's loads of color. And it's interesting you say about Instagram and Facebook. And I suppose just to deviate slightly on it, um, I noticed that photographs on Instagram are super saturated yes and that's what attracts people to it because yeah. you know it's about color it's a an, an emotional blast of different colors that are yeah. affecting people and they'll go wow look at this whereas again instagram is a visual platform you you look at the picture before you read the post the text or whatever it may be whereas on facebook it's the other way around facebook leads with the text but also yes finishes with the photo and i think yeah. you know you have a a different generation for sure um 
between the two of them. But I think most likely, yeah, uh, yeah, Instagram is a better platform. But also Instagram works better from the hashtags and stuff like that yes. as well. Yes, and if I could just touch on one more thing, Darren, you know, for posting to social media, um, I post a lot. No, I do. Everything I have goes up. Every I've I, I think actually when you used to do the MLP there, I I'd nothing to post because I'd everything posted. You know, I was struggling. <laughs> you know, you said no, you can't be posted. True story. Yeah. Can't be posted before on social media. I, I would struggle mm-hmm. for an image, like you know, and that's the truth of it. But I think by posting everything on posting enough images on social media, it's a good bar for you. You know, you you set the bar. Um, you can see how your photography is going and more importantly if you post an image today and next week you look at it and you say oh Jesus what was I doing there you know it's a good benchmark you know you make mistakes and you visually sure. can see them yourselves your friends can say Rodney Jesus that was a bit oversaturated you know um, like my images if, if I have an image there that I'm looking at and I, I just don't know what to do with it I might actually send it to Ian you know and I'd mm-hmm. say, well, you have mm-hmm. a look at this. There's something not right, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we all need a little help and guidance and advice. But 100%. Put out your images, you know. They're a good benchmark for you to work off of. And, um, you know, you can only grow in confidence by getting your stuff out there, you know. And, you know, uh, kind of like if you put up all types of images, you will see the variances between your banger shots yeah. your mediocre shots yeah. and your meh shots but you may not see that right away exactly. it might take you a year down the line and you go what was i thinking that shot i loved it now look at it oh my yeah. god I, I, after I, put the, I put the saturation slider to 12 it only went to 10 but i pushed it a little <laughs> bit extra as well you know and like that's where if somebody only posts their best yeah then you you'll you'll you will still see a transition by the way on your yeah. best you will still see your better your best getting yeah. better and better and better but by showing all different types of photographs and all different conditions and all different scenery, yeah. it really gives you a good kind of a benchmark. And also with this whole Facebook thing about memories popping up now mm. as well, I think it's a very interesting one too because it gives you a memory of something that happened four years yes. ago or five years ago, yeah. you know? Uh, so that's an interesting They can't one. all be bangers like, you know? <laughs> they this is they true. just can't, can't, you know? Put out your work and have a good portfolio and a good style, you know? And you'll see your style developing, you know. I think we all, absolutely, that's yeah. what we all want. We all want the style, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So look, Rodney, we are out of time, my friend. We are out of time. It actually went faster this evening than it did yesterday, but it actually went more or less exactly the same length of time. So yeah, maybe it felt faster, I don't yeah. know. But yeah. yeah. Um, so like, Rodney, thanks a million for coming on. I hope the audience as well, you know, have gotten a lot from it. I know I have anyway, even having the chat from it. And uh, yeah, so look, it's unusual actually. Normally when I sign out in the podcast, I say from me and Cork to somebody else, wherever they are. But now we have two Cork fellas on there. So from me and Cork to you and Cork, see you later, bye. See you, bye. Thanks for having me on, Darren. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rodney, man. It's long before. Hey, guys. If you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting.